It's good to see you all this morning. I don't know whether you noticed the absence of a number of trees yesterday. I'm wearing my plaid in honor of Lumberjack Day yesterday, and uh, we did a lot of cutting up. And I appreciate, thank you for anyone, uh, for all those who came and, and joined uh, in, in helping to cut it down. The cutting down didn't take long at all. The cleanup was huge. <laughs> the mess afterwards. So uh, uh, I, I will tell you that the reason we cut it out because there were several diseased trees that just needed to come out. Uh, one, one of the comments was, oh, I miss all the trees. Well, <laughs> they needed to come out. And so uh, I appreciate all those that, that did help yesterday. Uh, make good choices. Make good choices is a phrase that, that uh, my kids are familiar with, my family's uh, familiar with. I think I've used it some on, you can, you can imagine I use it a lot on Lindsay uh, and, and well by boys. And, and so, so we used it, Linda used it, the one who used it the most and overuses it, Lindsay, Lindsay Landreth, right? Uh, I don't know whether, I, I, I'm just curious, who has been told to make good choices, raise your hand. Anybody? Uh, look at that. <laughs> there are a lot have been told to make good choices. I thought that was just a, a unique phrase, but Lindsay says it all the time. You know, Linda and I were leaving the house to to go to grocery shopping or something like that. Lindsay would be telling us to make good choices. Uh, simply this: make good choices is that phrase that says, "Hey, hey, make wise choices or be wise in your choices," uh, and and. Absolutely, wisdom is something that, that should be valued. It, it's, it's something that, that uh, people ought to yearn for or desire uh, to, to, be, to be called someone who's wise is, is a, a good thing. That, that sounds good. Solomon, of course, is wise. We've been walking through this book of Ecclesiastes. It is not an easy book. It is not an easy book. And part of it is, and, and matter of fact, as I go through this again, I think I'm going to unfold again. Why is it that Solomon is so frustrated? We hear some great things, and then he comes along with that word meaningless uh, time and time again. But let me, let me go back. There's, there's some, some t- every, every once in a while, go back and look at, at Solomon, who he is. Uh, I've talked about how Solomon received his wisdom. Uh, and if you want to see that, it's, that's in 1 Kings chapter 3. And verses like 7 through 9 in there, it speaks about how Solomon, as a young, young man or a young boy, uh, was, was going through this transition. And, and it says that he went to Mount Gibeon, uh, Mount Gibeah, where, where he sacrificed a thousand offerings. I, that seems like a lot. A, a thousand offerings. He he get lifted up a thousand offerings, and and perhaps you, you think, well, that's you know praise offerings before God. Very much could be, but what what's told in that story is that that evening God comes to him in a dream, and and just makes the statement before Solomon. He says, "You ask me, and I'll give whatever you ask for." Wow, you ask me, and I'll give whatever you ask for, and his response. Uh, was, was, first of all, he said, hey, I am a little child. I don't know. I really can't. There's guesstimates at how old he is. I don't think he, he might not have been around maybe the early teens would, would be a guess. But he said, I, I'm a little child, and I'm going to lead your people, your nation, 
which is described as, you know, numerous as the sand on the seashore, as the stars in the sky. That's, and, and so can you imagine uh, Solomon in his youth feels a little overwhelmed. And so here's what he requests. He, he speaks to God in verse 9 of that passage. He says, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? That was his response. Give me wisdom is what we hear. And God gave him wisdom. Matter of fact, in in chapter 4, the next chapter over, verses uh, 29 through 34, it goes through all the details of of what that wisdom looked like. Uh, It it goes in, it it said that, you know, Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. He, he wrote over 100 songs, 105 songs he wrote. Uh, he knew details uh, of animals, of all the animals. He knew details of all the plants. And then in verse 34, it said, For all nations, from, oh, excuse me, from all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So, it, it was significant wisdom. It was significant knowledge. Well, we have the internet today, so we wouldn't go running off to see someone because we have it there on, on our computers, right? But in, in that day, Solomon was recognized around all other kingdoms as, as being this wise, wise man. So he was well in, investigated. Again, we're in Ecclesiastes. I want to just read a couple of verses to begin with. In, in chapter 7... Overall, it seems like the chapter, chapter 7 is the focus is upon this thing of wisdom. Last week, we talked about riches and wealth, his examination of that. And, and these are a couple of places where he looked at it and said, well, okay, does, does riches make, uh, bring meaning to life? He says, no, it's meaningless to, to pursue it. It's meaningless to be wealthy. Uh, and, and, and then in chapter 7, he's also said that about wisdom. Even before chapter 7. But in chapter 7 now, he takes a more extensive look at wisdom. In verses 11 and 12, here's what he says. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing. And, and benefits those who see the sun. Whoever, whoever or, no, excuse me. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. So, so he's very positive about speaking of wisdom. He loves wisdom, and he has wisdom. In verses 15 through 22 is, is going to be actually our focus this morning. Because as he's speaking about wisdom, I believe he lays out some attributes we're going to look at. Uh, attributes that, that comes through wisdom. And so listen carefully. And, and I will tell you, as I began to read through this, this whole chapter... Uh, I, I focused in on, on these verses. But even in these verses, there's some frustration. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you from the, from the beginning. As we read through this, there's going to be some frustration. Because you'll see this attribute. But along with it, there's some negative things he says. We're kind of used to that all throughout Ecclesiastes. When a guy starts with everything's meaningless, there's some frustrations that you're going to face. So, so be mindful we're going to see some attributes, but also we're going to identify why there's frustration as we go through the passage today. All right, let's start at verse 15. I'm going to read through verse 22. And, and this is a couple of the attributes we're going to see. Beginning verse 15, he says, In this meaningless life of mine, 
We're kind of getting used to that in Ecclesiastes, aren't we? In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these. The righteous perishing in their righteousness. And the wicked living long in their wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Wisdom makes one wise person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous. No one who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say. Or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. Overall, uh, there is uh, Solomon who would tell you, man, it is wisdom is worth pursuing. There's, there's wealth in wisdom. It's worth pursuing. And in, in these words, again, Solomon is laying out for us, uh, let's see, some truths about wisdom we're going to uncover. So the first truth is this. There's treasure in seeking wisdom. Uh, there, there is just great wealth in wisdom. And, he, and he, again, he brings up these attributes uh, that come from wisdom in the verses we just read. As a matter of fact, we just read two of those attributes. The third attribute uh, we're going to read verses 23 through 25 when we get there. But, but the attributes are right there in your, your outline. The attributes are these. It's balance. Wisdom brings balance. Wisdom brings strength. And r- wisdom brings insight. These three areas are addressed by Solomon in this passage. 15 through 18 speaks about balance. Now, at the end of the verse, it, it talks about do not, you know, th- those who fear God... Uh, do not invest in the extremes. or they, They're not focused on the, the extremes of life, the excesses, the extremes. Uh, but, but here, beginning in verse 15, he brings up something that is, I, I think, stressing him. He, he, again, he expresses it this way. In this being life, I have seen both of these. The righteous perishing in, the, in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Now, he's not saying that the good die young, Okay. The, the righteous perish. That, that's a problem. And, and the wicked, they live long in their wickedness. What's, what's the overall problem? He said this before. He said, hey, I see this in life, that both the, the wicked and, and the righteous, they both die. That's the problem. But where's, where's the justice? Where's the retribution for those who are wicked? I mean, he's, he's seeing people do wicked things. Why, why isn't there judgment? Uh, in, in, in Psalm 73, if you want to take an opportunity, one of my favorite passages, Asaph writes this out. He brings up the same thing. Why, why is it that, he, and he says it like this, why is it that the wicked prosper? And here I am, I'm living this righteous life, and I'm just, I'm just trudging along. I'm, 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 I'm facing suffering and, and difficulties trying to pursue this righteousness. And all the while, these wicked people are, are, are going through. He, he comes to a great conclusion. Read Psalm 73, the whole thing. It's, it's, it's a good read. Uh, anyway, we, we go in here and then we say, okay, so the extremes that he's talking about are these two areas. The, the extreme of extremely righteous and, and extremely wicked. He said, he said those are two extremes. So how, 
how do you live in a balance in that? Maybe it's, it would be a lot easier if he said, okay, listen, when it comes to eating, don't overindulge in eating. We understand that, right? I know it tastes good, but there's a place where you ought to stop. If you overindulge, guess what? It's dangerous for you. It's unhealthy for you. On the other side, uh, you know those, those uh, diets that people pursue, that, that there's some diets, man, that's just crazy. It, it's unhealthy. Uh, let's let's uh, not eat for 40 days, 40 nights, maybe something like that. No. That there, there are some diets that are unhealthy. Well, we all know that the body needs proteins and nutrients. That's just it. I mean, if you're going to live, if you're going to work, if, if you're going to exert energy, you're going to need to restore energy. And that's, there's, there's that place. There has to be a balance in our eating. That, that makes sense to us, right? But when it says, when it comes to wickedness and righteousness, <laughs> man, that's one of those things I wrestled with. Well, what's he saying? I understand. Don't be overly wicked. We, I mean, we hear that in the church all the time. Don't, don't be involved in wickedness. Because it, it leads to ruin or destruction. That's easy to understand. But what about righteousness? Don't be, don't be overly righteous or overly wise. How, how do we even think or put that into a perspective? Perhaps it comes to the place where we think about the guys, the religious leaders when Jesus showed up. You know, what was their problem? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness was absolutely their problem. Was there a possibility of self-righteousness involved in that law? Absolutely. It began uh, not so much about loving God as it was, man, I just got to do everything right. So maybe that was the extreme. Somewhere it says in, in that verse 15, it is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Maybe, maybe in, in part, that, that his great conclusion throughout the passage has been this. What, what is the purpose in life? Eat, drink, and find purpose in your, in your work, right? That's what we've heard. That's the conclusion. That's, that's life. Seize the day. Enjoy the day what God has given. Don't, don't be overly focused on all the rules and regulations of righteousness. It could lead to ruin, is what it says, or in wickedness. Balance. Balance. In the Old Testament, he's saying, hey, live in balance. Uh, the, the second thing we can see simply in verse 19, wisdom makes one person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. So it, what he's saying is that, that, you know, hey, there's more strength and wealth than there is in, in uh, excuse me, in wisdom than there is in, in power, in, in, in physical strength. He, he lays out in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, an illustration, verses 13 through 18. I'm not going to read it for you, but basically it's this story. He, he knew of a story of a small community, small town, and, and uh, uh, where, where not many people lived. And he said there, there came a king and his army against it. They laid, uh, laid siege upon the city. And it said that a wise, a, a poor wise man saved the city. It's saying all, even over this king and his army and, and all the power this king represented, this poor, he emphasized poor and a small insignificant city to say this man was able to overcome the king. And, and therefore, illustrating man, his wisdom overcame the strength of the king. The final, the final uh, attribute is insight. 
And that's what we think about when we think of wisdom is understanding, insight and understanding. Let me read 23 through 25 now. Uh, beginning verse 23, he says, All this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise. But this was beyond me. Whatever exists is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? So I turned my mind to understand, uh, to investigate, and to search out wisdom and the scheme of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. Uh, he, he, in these verses, shows some effort. He's, he's going to give effort into wisdom, giving wisdom. And I do believe it is human pursuit that we're seeing here. So I'm going to give everything into wisdom, and, and I determined to be wise. And what did he say? Well, uh, who, who could discover? No, excuse me. But, but this was beyond me. Hey, and then he goes on. He, he, he pursues other things in life. He says, who can discover it? So, again, human effort is seen in this. So I turn my mind to understand, to investigate, and search out wisdom and scheme of things. Is that what we're doing? Is that how you, I mean, learn, you students, uh, you are students, whether in college or high school, men, or, or even when, when you're researching something, you're reading, you're attaining knowledge. Well, that, that's the idea here. He is in pursuit of wisdom. Uh, I don't know all the research he's studying. He, he's investigating. He's experimenting with life, as he said in the beginning. And his great conclusion was meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Remember? And he, he talks about this human effort to pursue understanding. And guess what? Throughout the three verses, we see that he's not satisfied. He, he is frustrated. I'm, he's, he's, I would even say that, that uh, he's tormented. By his thoughts. And, and, and it's because of this. He knows the details of life. He, he, could, he could tell you facts and, and all the details. But, but he wants to know the why of existence. Solomon doesn't know the why. He, he's frustrated because he doesn't know the why. That's, you know, hey, tell me the meaning of things. I could see it. I could see and tell you, lay out all kinds of interesting things and, and, and wisdom uh, and, and understanding about the, even the characteristics and, and a lot of details. But he can't explain the why of things. The why of things. Therefore, you know, here, here at the end of this, uh, he, he says, this is beyond me. Verse 23, and who can discover it? Verse 24. This leads to the second truth, I believe, about wisdom, especially for Solomon. He said, the wisdom man, uh, the wisdom man could achieve is limited. Uh, human wisdom, if just down, down to it, human wisdom is limited. Human li wi wisdom is limited. Solomon definitely is frustrated by this limit. Matter of fact, in verse 15, why does he say, in this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these. He goes into it. Meaningless life of me. Uh, and again, back in chapter 6, verse 12, he says, for who knows what is good for a person in life? During the fruit... A uh, few and meaningless days, they pass through like a shadow. Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? I mean, this is Ecclesiastes. This is kind of central to the whole thing when he's talking about wisdom. He's investigated life. I don't know. Is there anybody today who's frustrated like this? They, they look at life and they, they come to the conclusion, man, what's the meaning? And, and, and just live life with that perspective. I don't know. So I'm going to pursue the things of riches. 
I'm going to pursue the things of wealth or wisdom and knowledge. And I'm going to learn things. I'm going to get degrees. I'm going to find positions. I'm going to bring significance uh, to my life according to what I could achieve. What I could achieve in life. And that's, that's Solomon. He looks and he examines everything you could pursue in life. And he says, oh man, it's like chasing after the wind. Solomon's old, older when he's writing Ecclesiastes. And he's gone through it all. He's experienced it all. Relationships, wisdom, wealth. And he just says, man, I, I see death. I see an end to it all. What, what, what significance is there? Matter of fact, what's interesting, uh, we, we look in this passage and, and he says in verse 29 later on, he says, the only thing I have found. He found something. The only thing I found is this. God created man, mankind upright. There in the garden, he, he created mankind upright. But they have gone in search of many schemes. They've gone in search. There's something out of whack in this world, okay? Solomon's looking and he says, man, this is, and, and this is one thing I could say for sure, is that God created man to be upright and, and righteous and holy, and yet they're not. They're, they're full of many schemes. As a matter of fact, it becomes clear. When, again, let's go back to the attributes and say he's already frustrated that, that man, the only way to live this is in a, in a balance uh, between the righteousness and the wickedness, uh, not to destroy yourself. Uh, he, he speaks about strength. And the verse immediately after, he says, no one is righteous. And then 21 and 22, he brings up an illustration. He said, matter of fact, you think about it, don't listen to what people are saying because, hey, your servant's going to curse you. And you know what the problem is? You're doing a lot of cursing yourself. <laughs> Everyone is unrighteous or, or no one is righteous is what he says. And, and it's plastered in the Old Testament. You want to identify maybe what the problem of Ecclesiastes is? We don't understand this life. You want to gain understanding? Here's the part. Just what Solomon found out. We're out of whack. We're skewed. Uh, in Psalm uh, 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. That's in Psalm uh, 14. That very uh, passage is repeated by Paul in Romans chapter 3. It's, it's the point that's carried on. The frustration in the Old Testament for Solomon is the same frustration for Paul in the New Testament. It's to identify every single one of us are not righteous. All, every single one of us are not worthy of God. It's sinful. It's sinfulness. It's, it's the schemes within us. We're corrupted. And it's a clear statement. Uh, insight has definitely been limited because of that. Well, we, we don't see, we don't know God's direction. It is a chasing after the wind. Matter of fact, Isaiah, in, wonderful passage. Isaiah 55. Go there and look. Because God's laying out. He said, man, he definitely has a plan. He lays out in, 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 in chapter 55 to read through the whole thing. 
uh, to, 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 to be there for those who are hurting and to, to, to lift the yoke of burden uh, from people. But in that passage, he says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Man, there's, there's those things, that, especially in the Old Testament, we just don't know what you're doing. We come to that great declaration. And so the wisdom of this world is limited. All that to say this. All that to look at Solomon and his frustration amongst those three things. You know, yeah, wisdom, there's a benefit. There's balance. You know, there's strength. There's insight. But man, Solomon's frustrated by the limitations. And absolutely, we as people are limited as well. But here's the good news. Uh, the good news about wisdom is this. God has revealed true wisdom through Jesus. I, I, have to, I have to step away from this, that God has revealed true wisdom through Jesus. I, it, it's something that Solomon would have loved to know and understand of what God's plan was, that it was going to unfold. We know the prophecies are there, and, and, and we could see it, watch, and, and, and even approach as you come to the New Testament. It speaks about Jesus and his coming. You see, Jesus personifies God's wisdom. He personifies God. I mean, that's what John chapter 1 verse 1 says. You know, it's in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He absolutely brings the wisdom of God into this world. And through Jesus, we have a great perspective of what he, he, he was leading to through the Old Testament. That's the coming of his kingdom. See, Matthew makes it very clear. He brings the kingdom into this world. It's, it's what you and I are a part of when we you know, accept and receive Jesus as our Savior. We become a part of his kingdom. Our perspectives are definitely changed. I find it interesting in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. And a verse I read earlier is how, how you know, kings sent people to go check out Solomon's wisdom. Jesus speaks to that, to, to the religious leaders, those, those self-righteous religious leaders that are referred to earlier. Because they were rejecting Jesus. You know, it was more about their actions and activities than it was this love for God. But here's what he said to them. In, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, he said, The queen of the south, that's Queen of Sheba, uh, will rise uh, at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Uh, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Guess who that is? Jesus. He, he came representing a greater wisdom than Solomon ever had. And they came drawn to, to Solomon, and here Jesus is. And he is speaking wisdom. Are we listening? <laughs> the question is, are we listening? Uh, Jesus represents that wisdom. Now let's think again, just real quick, about balance, strength, and insight. Because those are the things of wisdom. Those are the things of wisdom. What, what about balance and strength? Well, we receive his Holy Spirit through Christ, Right? And I believe both balance and strength are represented in the, in the gifts of the Spirit that, that, that come through him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness and, and self-control. Those are the things that, that, be, that start become the fruit within us with the Holy Spirit's indwelling. The strength within us. 
You know, what, what do we do when the world turns against us? Do we take up arms and, and, and begin to attack when, when we feel threatened? No, I don't think so. Matter of fact, I, I think Paul was speaking to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Well, what do you do? Because they're facing some persecution. Do you run and hide? Do you go find a cave to, to exist until the trouble goes away? I don't think so. Do, do you, like I say, do you take up arms and, and, and look to attack those who, who threaten your life? I don't think so. Here's, here's his, he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as you were told, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Now, it, it is more aggressive than it sounds like. I, I, I believe it means that through your good life, others will come to know Jesus. Does it mean you don't speak about Jesus? I don't think that's right either. If you're living for Jesus, I think you're talking about Jesus. But I, I don't think it's the extremes of, of, of rebelling and taking up arms and looking to fight, nor is it going and hiding. It talks about that balance. It talks about that strength and the insight, the insight to think that because of Jesus, these three attributes we have at our access because they are brought through Jesus. Insight, Luke chapter 10, verses 23, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are the eyes that, that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings, it has to be including Solomon, uh, want to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Man, Jesus brings us the wisdom of God. He brings us the salvation that brings us into that relationship with God. Do we understand that? Our, it was last Sunday that Linda and I uh, looking through movies, nice Sunday evening, just the two of us, and, and she found uh, uh, Paul, the Apostle of Christ. It, many of you familiar with that, have seen it. It came out in 2014. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get this guy's name right. The actor is Ben Caviezel. Is that right? Uh, is, is actor, he plays the part of Luke in that. Uh, watch that. Towards the end, there was a significant part where Paul, who Paul absolutely throughout the movie, uh, displays uh, balance and strength and insight. And it's absolutely because uh, the Holy Spirit indwelling him, uh, because he's the one who, who saw and was transformed through Jesus, and, and he has that strength of wisdom. He is, he is seated there with the jailer the precept who's over the jail, and, and having a conversation. Over time, he's built uh, kind of a, a respect of the jailer. And before his execution, they're, they're seen sitting down and, and, and having a conversation. And, and uh, uh, the precept poses a question, you know, hey, my life, my God, everything's okay. You know, I, I don't think you're going to convince me. And, and the last thing he, he shares with him, he said, well, have you ever sailed? Have you ever been out on the ocean? And he said, yeah. He said, well, imagine yourself reaching down, cupping, a, a, you know, just some water in your hand like this and holding it. And, he said, and, and you notice that the water comes through your fingers, seeps through your fingers. Pretty soon, the, the water that you were holding is gone because you can't hold that water. He said, he basically said that that, that represents man's life. That represents man's life. It's very much compared to Solomon saying, hey, you can't catch the wind. You can hold water for a little while, but it's going to seep through the fingers. 
He, he, you know, and everything that you collect in life, everything that's valuable to you, guess what? Throughout life, it just comes through the fingers. And by the end of life, this is Solomon's frustration. It, nothing's there. That's his frustration. He said, but the kingdom I speak of and I live for is like the rest of the water in the sea. Man lives for that cup of water or that handful of water that slips through his fingers. But those who follow Jesus Christ live for that endless expanse of the sea. Oh, that, that helped me understand Solomon a little bit more. A little bit more. Man, if we're dependent upon our, our own our, our own insight, if we're dependent upon our own strength, and the, man, we're going to fall short because we're absolutely limited. But in the coming of Jesus Christ, we've come to, to know and realize a, a, a wisdom that God has sent into this world that is absolutely for you and I, absolutely given to, to those who receive and accept Jesus into their life. It is about salvation and redemption. And, it, and, and instead of the perspective of this is my life, this is all there is, and it just goes away, and then that's it. I have the perspective of the, the sea before me. And, and it all comes down to this. Man, God has given us a Savior to put our trust and confidence in. That's his work in this world. That's what he has in store for you and I. That's what he has in store for all those who have accepted and received Jesus as their Savior. Let's come to this point. Is there meaning in life? <laughs> if you know Jesus, you know the answer to that. Absolutely, yes, there is meaning to life. And it goes beyond my life. It goes beyond to what I could hold. It goes into his kingdom and his righteousness. It goes and, and all explained and all given to us through Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Didn't have to coax it. <laughs> hey, listen, make good choices, right? Make good choices. True wisdom is, is, is worth the pursuit. Guess, guess where we find that wisdom? Oh, it's in the Word. It's, a, it's a, that story of Jesus that encompasses the whole entire Scripture from Genesis through Revelation. It is about His story. Uh, true wisdom, or the wisdom of this world, is absolutely limited. But God has revealed all things through Jesus Christ. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Is your life this? <laughs> or is your life the ocean? And everything has in store. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I know there's portions of Scripture that, that uh, oh, Father, frustrate us. And, and, and perhaps what we saw this morning is just the frustration of Solomon. Uh, you know he's frustrated when he con just concludes knowing you, and then, then he concludes it by saying it's just meaningless. There's just uselessness. There's, there's nothing at the end. Uh, but, Father, you change that in us because of Christ. We, we see a perspective of an eternal kingdom that's offered through Christ. We understand the forgiveness that we are, are so much in need of, Lord, uh, that, that, that comes through his blood and his body. Father, we praise you for the balance, the strength, and the insight that we're given through your word, understanding, so that we could live life and live life with meaning and purpose. God, we love you. We praise you always for your son, for your word, for your spirit, for your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.